Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Thursday night special edition of Narrative. It's really good to be with you tonight. How are you, Heidi? I am well and very excited. This is a show that we'd hoped to bring Tuesday, and here it is already Thursday, and we're ready to go. It has been a busy week. We've been on the air like every night, or tried to be on the air. We had a power failure on the Tuesday when we intended to do the show. Tonight's just really interesting because we're going to be talking about Michael Flynn, the former disgraced general who seems to be running around the country brainwashing people in what seems to be ominous tones of a cult, or at least a very uh, religious church movement that he has literally taken the prayer out of and is repeating the prayer at these events. And we'll explain all of that in a bit because that doesn't sound very clear to me. But the whole thing is about is Michael Flynn morphing himself and designing himself as sort of an American Fuhrer, a future leader with uh, adoring crowds that will do absolutely anything he says, because it certainly feels to those of us who watch it pretty closely that he is becoming some sort of figure like that, where he's really got a brainwashed crowd that are incredibly supportive of him and will do anything for him, which is kind of terrifying considering he's not that stable. You're going to be on the, uh, on the chat rooms, right? Yes, I am. I'm already here watching all the Twitter love come in from our viewers. So yes, please tag me on questions. We'll try to get the questions answered from our guests and away we go. And the guests are Jim Stewartson, whom we love, who's on the show all the time. And sometimes I steal material from, but I do it openly and honestly, and I hope he doesn't mind. (laughs) So Jim will be on the show along with the son of... um, I'm going to get the name wrong. Elizabeth Claire Prophet. This is going to be a fascinating time. Her son, Sean Prophet, who knows more than anything how these cults work, is going to be joining us today. It's really exciting. You remember her. She was like in the 90s. She was on Larry King and and Oprah a lot. She was just a really famous figure. Uh, So we'll, we'll dive into a little bit of the history and see how it connects to Michael Flynn. All of that is coming up. But first, we have the starting block. And three big names in the starting block tonight. Look at these nice faces, faces you don't really want to wake up to. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God, look at him. Uh, I swear, Bannon has never looked worse in his life, but he's still only got one shirt on there, which is his one shirt days. Boris uh, Johnson, of course, and Vladimir Putin all making up our top three. What's in the news? With all these gentlemen. Yes, yes, it's kind of a goon starting block. Uh, today's the day we've been waiting for. Steve Bannon may actually go to jail. We hope he does because then he can't run his podcast and radicalize people. January 6th committee says they're going to convene on Tuesday and refer Bannon for contempt. And we think Tuesday may be a bit far off. What say you, Zev? I, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm really interested in hearing him testify, to be honest. I'd rather he testified than showed up in prison. But, but prison's not a bad uh, second prize for Steve Bannon, who's, a, who's really escaped prison so many times. I, he's got like nine lives. He's been this close to being in jail many, many times before. And each time he's gotten out, so it'll be interesting to see if he can get away with it this time. Uh, I think the jury's still out on whether he can. Also in the news tonight... Boris Johnson is a corrupt leader, as we've suspected he is for a very long time. Uh, the UK Prime Minister has a nice little refuge, a nice little villa, I guess. You know, this, this comes out of the this comes out of the Pandora Papers leak. Uh, Boris plays whilst tax havens rage. Uh, you know, if leaders are going to benefit from being able to hang out in gorgeous villas in the south of Spain that are obscured by offshore hydro money tax havens, then will there really be the kind of reforms we need to get the dark money from corrupting our democracy? I mean, I don't think anyone has any desire to actually reform these things. I think it's, it's interesting that we're getting all the data, I must say. But 
Having said that, there are some attempts, at least in the United States, to try get uh, FinCEN to be monitoring some of these offshore holdings a little bit more carefully. I mean, is going to change Boris Johnson? I don't think Boris Johnson is going to change for anybody. So uh, maybe it means changing Boris Johnson, like getting a new prime minister. Uh, not that would be a great start. Um, it would be. And the third story tonight in our starting block is something to do with Vladimir Putin uh, and crypto. Yeah. Putin basically says crypto has the right to exist, sort of. You know, anything to destabilize fiat currency, that's kind of his game. Uh, but what's interesting is he's saying that, but he's saying that he doesn't really think it should be used for the things that he sells, the government commodities that he sells. So it's kind of a, a classic Putin-esque. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, he must be a big fan of it because it's all used for money laundering. He seems to be among the world's biggest money launderers. So... You know, it wouldn't be a bad thing to have to have crypto in, in Russia. And don't they already have all the Ethereums and all of that? Isn't that really a, aren't they Russian inventions? Uh, yeah, well, that is what some folks say. And here he is, you know, going on the record saying he's all for it, sort of. Right. <laughs> sort of. Well, that's the starting block tonight. Um, we're meant to go into commercial break. We don't have that. So just heads up, everybody. We're going to go right into our main feature story here, which is all about Mr. Michael Flynn, General Michael Flynn, an American furor. So let me, without uh, too much of a delay here, let me say good evening to Jim Stewartson. Hi, Jim. Hi. And Sean Prophet. How are you, Sean? Good. How are you, Zev? Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm going through that first section of the show, which is always very confusing for me. It's great that you're here. And uh, I would really want people to get to know who you are because your story is fascinating. Your mom's story is fascinating. And we'll get to Michael Flynn in just a second. But just briefly tell us and, uh, you know, how your mom became who she was. Well, it's kind of hard to put that into uh, a very a short <laughs> segment, but well, just tell I, us who I, she right was now, then. my mother was a, I would say, new age cult leader for want mm -hmm. of a better description. And her church was in the, what they call the Western esoteric tradition, if you want to put it charitably, or other people would call it a uh, doomsday cult. Mm -hmm. So we, <clears throat> the, the organization Which would you call started it? by... Well, it was definitely a doomsday cult, right? And and it's still a very right wing organization, even without her presence. What's the and, name of the organization? It's called the Summit Lighthouse mm. or Church Universal and Triumphant. Is the it's it's actually kind of kind of gone back and forth between those two names. Mm. Big big church. I mean, it really was a big movement uh, in what, the eighties and nineties. Yeah, I'd say, I mean, we had this bomb shelter uh, building period, which was based on some of her prophecies for nuclear war with the Soviets. Mm -hmm. And ironically, that was kind of going on at the same time as the Soviet Union was disintegrating. Right. And so, you know, here we are building these bomb shelters. It's like 1989 and everybody knows what happened in 1989. I mean, the wall came down and all mm -hmm. kinds of stuff. And so I guess she she was really in this Cold War mentality for and had been for many, many years. And I think that she might have seen the, you know, the Gorbachev and, and Glasnost and Perestroika as a bit of a deception. Mm -hmm. And that like when the West would let its guard down, then that's when Gorbachev was going to strike. She didn't realize he was pretty much a man of peace. <laughs> yeah. He was also sort of a America's man. I mean, it's, it's not tr untrue that Russia did land up striking. I mean, they seem to have struck us in 2016, um, many, many years later. But uh, you're right about that period of time in terms of him being a man of peace. Jim, let's talk a little bit about Michael Flynn, because anyone you ask who knows Michael Flynn, and I've done this to a few people, describing him as being, you know, charitably, they say he's, he'd lost it. 
some people say he's crazy. Some people say he's not balanced. I mean, that's sort of the reaction you get from people who know and consider him sort of, you know, friendly. It does seem to me like he's not the same person that became a general and went to Afghanistan and did everything he he did as a until a period of time. He was considered a good soldier, right? I mean, he was sort of a, a hero in some pockets of, of America. Yeah, well, I mean, he was always difficult in the military, but he got stuff done. He knows what he's doing. Um, yeah. That's the reason why he got to the head of the DIA. But which, in, is, in which he 20- did under Obama, right? He became the, the head well, of the... That's- that's where I'm going is yeah. in 2014, he got fired by a black man mm-hmm. and that <laughs> did not sit well with him. You think that's the primary um, reason he's like got fired by a black man? You think that's really the, I think it's, the, I think it's one of them. I think, mm-hmm. I think Flynn is deeply racist. He's a white supremacist. He just fundamentally is. And, uh, in 2014 is when he start started being seen with Russian honeypots quite a bit as well. Right. Right. Interesting. Uh, as one does. And then, as one does. And then in 2015, he joined the, the Trump uh, campaign immediately, which I didn't know uh, right away. Uh, so he and also got fired uh, by Donald Trump. So he got fired by a black man and a white man, both were presidents, but at least. Uh, he, I yeah. mean, Trump did that under duress, needless yeah. to say. Trump yeah. was perfectly happy with Mike Flynn where he was. Um, but Mike Flynn got caught dead to rights talking to the Russians before he was in office. Right. Remember and, that he was texting and, or paging people while he's sitting there at the inauguration, well, the, the, the Russian, well, well, the Russian ambassador Kislyak. Yeah. That was about the nuclear reactors that he was right. trying to sell at the inauguration. Wow. <laughs> like for the Saudis. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. There's like, just a story the that dirtiest piece of shit that ever walked here. Let's be perfectly honest. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say something I'm like sorry, that, which I'm I couldn't sorry. say myself, but I'm glad you. those words came up. That's your opinion. <laughs> there you go. Uh, um, you know, it's interesting. that way from the start and, yeah. then, and then got worse. Uh, you know, there's so new information about his Saudi. That's right. He started. He started creating this cult. Uh, and 2016 is he started Pizzagate. 2017 was QAnon, and now he's he now he got his pardon, and he thinks he's free. Yeah. Although he's committed about a billion and a half crimes in the last nine months, and I have no idea why he's not behind bars. I think what you're saying is really important for people to realize. This is the same person who. Who you know got fired by Obama, got fired by Trump for whatever reasons they were still fired. It's the same person who we think created Q. It's the same person who did Pizzagate. It's the same person they did the anti-vax movement. We think is that right? Maybe it's not entirely that. Yeah, but, yes, but it's the absolutely. same movement. No, no, it's, no, no. He's he's pushing ivermectin with his brothers. Right, right, exactly. So you've got a you know a situation where this guy has been responsible for most of the conspiracy theories that have captured the imagination of of the right wing in America over the last few years, uh, and a former you know, really senior intelligence director in, in the military. So not, not a dummy and certainly knows his way around PSYOPs. Golden PSYOP. Yeah, exactly. Now, it's interesting. This has just came out last week, not this particular letter, but, you know, these, there's two things that happened in his relationship with Saudi Arabia that we didn't really know about. We knew that he was pushing all these nuclear reactors. They, were, they did this huge kind of crazy deal where they were going to supply Saudi Arabia with nuclear reactors that were being designed in the United States, but built in Russia or something like that. It was an insane idea, obviously not very good for, for security. It was going to start an arms race between a nuclear arms race between Iran and and Saudi Arabia. And just last week, we found out that he wasn't doing this all because he felt about all these things, about nuclear uh, reactors and nuclear arms races. He did it for a little bit of money. Apparently, he got paid $200,000 over two years, which is new information to me, at least. Maybe others have seen it, uh, between in 2015 and 2016, uh, each year, $100,000. Yeah. Um, so 
nice nice Bernie, money if you Bernie can make Carrick it too. yeah yeah to say the least. Yeah. No, he's, I he's said not, Bernie Carrick was part yeah. of that. Oh, they got Bernie Carrick. Then talk about wholesome characters. Um, they got him dead to rights again. Yeah. I mean, he already went to prison for <laughs> being a... And so what this leads us to is you've got Michael Flynn, and then you've got uh, Sean's mother, and you've got a situation that you've been able to find that there is a correlation between the two scripts, I guess. I don't know. The prayers, their scripts, their <laughs> sermons. It's I don't know what prayer. they would be. It's a prayer. No, it's a prayer. Yeah. It, is a, it is a prayer written by Elizabeth Clare Prophet for mm. the Church Universal and Triumphant. And, and it's Mike exactly Flynn the same one? It. It's the same. It's the only thing that he did was change the, the, um, the pronoun to we instead of I, because it's supposed to be something you say to yourself. Right. He was getting an entire Christian congregation who had no idea where this prayer came from, where most of the, the, the members would think it's basically satanic if they had any idea what it was. Right. And he, he involuntarily got them to commit heresy. So basically, he's been going around the country and telling people you know, that they have to believe in, in what he believes in, basically, which is his sort of white nationalistic ideals and his, you know, fear that the communist uh, Chinese are taking over America. And then on top of that, he lays over the anti-vax stuff. And then on top of that, he lays over on this cult prayer uh, that Elizabeth Clare Prophet yeah. uh, originally wrote. Wow. Um, and how did you come to discover that it's the same thing? How did, I mean, that you didn't um, Google it? I mean, how does, how does it show up? Uh, well, um, I watch basically all of Mike, Mike Flynn's stuff because I think he's the most dangerous man in America and, mm. and the worst traitor in American history. So I watch all of his things. I've also learned a great deal about, um, you know, different ideologies, um, including occult ideologies and, and extremist religions and uh, etc. And so when I was listening to his speech and I heard him talk about seven rays, look, mm. I, I'm an atheist. I don't know anything about Christianity or I didn't before, right. but having mm. been immersed in all this stuff, I was like, that doesn't sound too Christian to me. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so I took, you know, I did some Googles and you know, there it is. It's I am, I am is a theosophical cult. Oh, right. Um, uh, based on, based on theosophy. And Mark Prophet was came out of the I am, am cult to create the um, church, church universal and triumphant. Interesting. So, so when I asked Dave, Dave what Troy what I am, it was all about, and he basically said it's just a very dangerous cult. Um, and so, it, you know, I can uh, tell you hell about it if you want. But yeah. It, it, yes, it is. It's and so you've got Elizabeth Clare Prophet as well, which you describe as a cult. And then, you know, the logical progression is you've got to go to Michael Flynn and say, really dangerous cult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's trying to, to bring these these ideas, these other ideas, right, mm-hmm. into these religions. It's a wow. very dangerous thing called syncretism. What you do is you leverage the beliefs of others, of what people believe, to basically appropriate them into your own ideology. Amazing. So the Nazis appropriated Christianity and appropriated paganism and a whole bunch of other stuff in order to create the cult that killed tens of millions of people. Mm-hmm. Let's take a look at the tape you produced. It's really good. And then, uh, Sean, you can jump in and, and give us your thoughts. Uh, but it's, re- it's really fascinating to watch this tape. This is Jim Stewart's uh, tape of uh, Elizabeth Clare Prophet and Michael Flynn, sort of a mashup, if you will. Uh, here you go. 
mighty I am presence. I am here, O oh God, and I am the instrument of those sevenfold rays and archangels. We are your instrument of those sevenfold rays and all your archangels, all of them. And I will not retreat. I will take my stand. I will not fear to speak, and I will be the instrument of God's will, whatever it is. We will not retreat. We will not retreat. We will stand our ground. We'll, we will not fear to speak. We will be the instrument of your will. Whatever it is. Here I am. So help me God, in the name of Archangel Michael and his legions, I am freeborn, and I shall remain freeborn, and I shall not be enslaved by any foe within or without. In your name, in your name. and the name of your legions, we are freeborn, and we shall remain freeborn, and we shall not be enslaved. By any, foe, by any foe, within or without. Within or without. So, so I'm going to stop it there. But the um, Sean, give us your reaction. I mean, that's uh, pretty powerful. I don't think Americans realize this is what Michael Flynn is doing. I don't think they realize that Michael Flynn is running around the country with these very expensive events. It looks like a very big production, um, you know, preaching all this stuff. He's not a preacher. Well, that was at a church. That was at an okay. existing charismatic Christian church, which okay. is part of the reason why it was so brutal, honestly, is because mm. those are those people had no idea mm. that he was dropping that on them. Sorry, wow. I to interrupt. Oh. Wow. Go ahead, Sean. Yeah, so what I want to say about this is that, of course, I'm very familiar with my mother's dictations. That's what that was. She gives these channeled mess or gave uh, when she was alive these channeled messages, and that one was supposedly from Archangel Michael, right? Mm -hmm. And on, on my podcast, I co-host a podcast called The Radical Secular, and on that podcast, I gave about a ten-minute breakdown as to what that prayer means. And I don't think we have time for that here, but what I'll just say specifically is what is what is uh, really. Uh, what is really dangerous about this is the concept of God's will. Mm -hmm. And God's will is weaponized by a lot of cult leaders, fascists, you know, throughout, throughout history. People have gotten others to do things in the name of God. And we're seeing this happen now with the Republican Party across the board, where mm -hmm. they are just using openly theocratic language uh, in all of their messaging and, and on social media and even their TV spots. And like all of their, it's just God, God, God. And when someone appropriates the will of God. No one, it's unknowable. The will of God is not, nobody has any idea what that mm -hmm. is. But when someone makes people believe they are doing the will of God, it ramps up this things up to like 11 in terms of what they're willing to sacrifice, what they're willing to do, you know, what they're willing to even die for potentially. Right. And I saw this as I was growing up a lot where uh, people who were in the organization would have done anything for my parents. And that's mm -hmm. because they were convinced that my parents were doing the will of God and knew what that will was. And now we see this being weaponized by American fascists and mm -hmm. it's frightening. It really is a weaponization of faith. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. Like they've taken the fundamental of, of faith, which is what everyone, you know, a lot of people I suspect in America believe in. And they've weaponized it. They've turned it into a political weapon and it's now killing people when it comes to things like anti-vax movement. 
But even Michael Flynn's, you know, seems to be openly planning for a civil war of some sort. I mean, it's been really weaponized in a terrible way. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. And I would say that, you know, this is something I have actually, I, I had a quote from Barry Goldwater that I had ready for this mm. show because I think it's really appropriate. And now Barry Goldwater, he's this war hawk. He's, he's an arch conservative dude who lost the 1964 election to Lyndon Johnson. And he even was afraid of what would happen. And here's what he said. He said, mark my word, if and when these preachers get control of the Republican Party, and they're sure trying to do so, it's going to be a terrible damn problem. Mm -hmm. Frankly, these people frighten me. Politics and governing demand compromise, but these Christians believe they are acting in the name of God, so they can't and won't compromise. I know. I've tried to deal with them. So right. think of who that was coming from. Right. <laughs> think about that. Goldwater, and then, Go ahead. That's go ahead right. Goldwater went, to far, went as far as to say if these preachers get a hold of the Republican Party, that it will be the end of the Republic as we know it. He, he repeatedly mm -hmm. said this is going to infect our political system and could absolutely be the end of our democracy. Which is exactly yeah. what the CNP, the Council for National Policy, that we talk about a lot in it, the show, is, is, has been doing. Um, it's really quite it's chilling when you think about it all. It's dominionism. I've been thinking about this, this word a lot. What does it mean and how does it, how does it cover all of these different religions and cults? Mm -hmm. And the reason why I think we're seeing this huge merging of, of all these cults, especially doomsday cults, is because they all have a shared project. The shared mm -hmm. project is to get rid of democracy because right. it's in their way. It's in their way. And so it doesn't matter whether you're, you know, uh, an extremist Catholic or... Um, speak his name, uh, speak talking. Names. I'm just playing this guy. Yes. So this is John Hughes, who is a um, charismatic Christian dominionist. Um, later on in this video, Josh Pauly shows up to do a mm. whole bunch of apocalyptic Jesus on, talk right. in front of the Capitol that Josh Pauly helped to have um, uh, an insurrection. Attack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Attack. And, and um, you know, so so what's what's happening here? And this guy does all of this stuff. He's got yeah. super hypnotic things where everybody's like in this part. They're all chanting. Just listen in for a second. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. The government will be upon his shoulders. The government will be upon his shoulders. We are so blessed and privileged tonight. We're honored to have a sitting U.S. senator. Well, we'll, we'll get to Hawley in a bit because yeah, so, that's a whole other thing. So but it is hypnotic. Says, it is hypnotic. So it's hypnotic. And when he says government on his shoulders, mm. that means that means God. Right? Mm. Yeah. What he's saying yeah. is overtly that this that he wants a theocracy. Wow. So is, so is Flynn. So, so are all these guys. They are overtly saying that America was designed as a religious country yeah. and that we have somehow gotten away from God's law as the rule of law. That's exactly the line that Flynn the, said a um, couple yeah. days ago. Which, which is, is exactly the opposite, opposite of the truth. The goddamn country yeah. was, was founded, was to yeah. get literally away from that. Wow. I want to point something out about theocracy, yeah. too, and, and also about end times movements and, and apocalypticism in general, and that is they basically only come up when these groups have failed 
to take over politically. They have failed uh, at winning democratic elections. They're no longer, they no longer have the mandate of the people. And so now they bring in this, uh, this authoritarian God stuff mm-hmm. to try to say like, we have, now you have, you know, stop the steal and all the election conspiracies, right? Because mm-hmm. what these people realize is that demographically they're not doing well. Uh, evangel- right. Evangelical yeah. Christianity is not doing well, and young people don't like it. Um, their, their policies, abortion policies, are totally out of step with where America is, and they are trying to now overturn democracy to because they couldn't win at the ballot box. Right. It's the ultimate form of self-preservation, so and they feel justified so because it is. Yeah. yeah, and you know it's setting yeah. up a a them conflict, which is almost unavoidable because that's just the. That's the only place you can go when you talk about these, uh, this kind of, um, you know, hypnotized, brainwashed crowd. I mean, they're not going to change their, they're what, not going to compromise. What, they're not going to, what do you do they're, with they're 30% of the country yeah. who is basically built to be, you know, um, an anti democracy zombie? Yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean, exactly. Um, if you believe that Joe Biden isn't the president, then you're in a cult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's at least 25% of right. the population well, believes that. God doesn't lose elections, right? I mean, it, it, God always wins. That's right. And right. so, that's you right. know. <laughs> that's, so right. that's why, and, and it doesn't matter what God, right? Part mm-hmm. of the, the most pernicious thing here is that the people really behind this, the people with, you know, the hundreds of billions of dollars who are, you know, doing it, they don't give a shit. It's not about ideology for them. It's about using ideologies to destroy the fabric of uh, liberal democracy, mm-hmm. small L, small D. Mm-hmm. And and that's what we're facing right now is, is, is a bunch of incredibly powerful, wealthy people who are creating a cult in order to destroy our democracy. And it's working. Right. It and is working. We're, we're, and we're, you know, Sticking around with norms and stuff and not arresting people. And it's, um, it's the most infurious, infuriating it is. thing in the world. It is. Now, there's a, a request, I guess, Heidi's suggesting that we try to raise your volume. Uh, I can't do that much more with your volume, but if you can get close to your microphone, that'll help, Joe. Um, Heidi, anyone else saying uh, anything on the chat? I can be rooms? louder. I'm, I'm good at that. So... <laughs> It's a very vibrant chat. We have a lot of people concerned about why Michael Flynn is not going to prison. But before that, one of the first questions is uh, about Sean. Our viewers can't imagine being the son of a cult leader. And maybe you could speak a little bit about your experience and then how you got out. Mm -hmm. Certainly. Yeah, well, it was... Obviously, uh, you know, there were good things and bad things about it. Uh, one of the, the good things about it was that I had a lot of people who cared about me and I got to learn a lot about publishing and, and video and audio and, you know, everything you can think of in terms of what we did as publishing organizations. So that was good. But as far as what it was like to be the son, I mean, I was always in that shadow, right? Uh, people wanted to get to know me to get to her. And so it was finding my own voice and figuring out who I was, you know, was something that didn't happen till later. I, I did leave when I was, you know, probably 19 or so. And then I came back into the organization, maybe two or three years later and became a minister, an ordained minister. And I was, uh, that happened when I was 23. And then at the age of 30, that was sort of after the bomb shelter kind of fiasco. Mm. And, 
when that prophecy failed and it just wasn't clear to me that the organization was going in a good direction. And I kind of had a crisis of faith and I just decided, you know what, this is, this is too much for me. I need to get out of here. So let's talk a little bit about that period, that, that period of the, of the bomb, bomb shelters, because there's a really interesting nightline documentary and I want to play a piece of it, but set it up for us by telling us what the church was trying to do over there in Montana. They were, they basically uh, bought a big ranch and had started building communities. Yeah, so in 1981, I believe it was, we made a deal on the Forbes Ranch in Park County, Montana. And so at that time, the idea was to sort of set up a self-sufficient community, farming and ranching, and with the eventual, uh, you know, idea of setting up, you know, where people could build homes and live, and it would be, you know, like this kind of idyllic uh, community. But then between like 81 and 86, my mother's prophecy started to get a lot darker and she started forecasting nuclear war. And I believe the initial date was October 2nd, 1989, uh, that she had predicted for the war. And then there were a couple of reprieves and the date got pushed back to 1990 and then, uh, and then, you know, later. But the point is, is that by 1987, January 1st of 1987, we were sort of pulling out because the organization had a lot of centers in, you know, most major cities in the United States and and a lot of cities around the world. Mm -hmm. And those centers were being closed, uh, sold. People were moving to Montana because of this prophecy. And so as the date became closer, there was a lot more urgency to get these shelters done. And people were spending a lot of money to get food and, and weapons. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that happened was my stepfather was involved in a weapons deal. A pretty large one, provided, right? There's a lot of weapons. Yeah. He provided some money to uh, someone else named Vernon Hamilton, and Vernon Hamilton was was out buying these weapons under a false name. Now, mm-hmm. these weapons were legal. It's you know, you can anybody can buy guns, but you have to say who you, you have to be who you say you are. Mm-hmm. And so but these weren't just ordinary guns, these were fifty calibers. Yeah. Jeez. And and you don't you don't need a fifty caliber gun for anything other than than, than some sort of military operation. It brought down scrutiny when mm. they bought these guns and they ran the ID and it turned out to be a dead guy. And so then they mm. they arrested Vernon and then that led back his notes and things and re- and financial records led back to my stepfather, and so he also went to jail. Wow. The whole thing yeah. was about that, you know, your, your your mom was prophesizing that the end of the world was coming, that nuclear war was coming, that was going to create a lot of uh, desperation, famine, starvation. And that's why they needed mm-hmm. the guns, presumably. They were going to fight off the, the masses who were not prepared for the war or for the nuclear Armageddon, who were going to come get their supplies or foods or whatever. That was the sort of yeah. the rationale behind it. This is the problem with survivalism generally, right? Because the implication is if you're storing a bunch of food, and they're really, if something really ever does go wrong, you're going to be either going to have to kill people or you're going to have to give people your food. Right. And so that's the problem with preppers and survivalism in general is that it's, it's essentially you're pre-giving up on society. You're pre-giving up on the idea that we have to deal with a crisis together as a mm. civilization. Mm. So let's look at what Ted Koppel did with Nightline. Uh, you actually feature in this, in this documentary. So uh, <laughs> people should look out for a young Sean in this, in this little clip that I play. I'm only going to play about a minute of it. Here is uh, the documentary from Nightline uh, from 1990. I don't believe in pacifism. 
And, and I believe that if you are attacked in your home and somebody's going to rape your wife and, and kill you and your children, that you better defend yourself or you're going to have the karma for allowing all those lives to be taken. Many residents claim the church's frenetic rush to prepare for the end of civilization is also hurting the environment. The main bomb shelter, with room for 750 people and an entranceway big enough for an 18-wheel tractor trailer, is being built in what was once prime habitat for grizzly bears, elk, and pronghorn antelope. The church denies all the allegations, saying they are the result of media bias or plots to force them off their land or religious persecution. We don't have the obligation to tell the entire world what we're doing exactly and explain to them every move that we make. So that's, uh, that's the clip, and, and that was your only soundbite in the entire thing. Did, did you have an obligation? Do you feel like you would have said things differently, given, you know, if you could teletransport back then? I mean, I was probably 25 there, and yeah. I was just trying to defend you know, my family and my community mm-hmm. from what seemed like a lot of undue media attention and you know, a lot of people trying to get into our business. But looking back on that, I mean, that was a very petulant thing to say because people were concerned and they had a reason to be concerned. Right, right. Um, and for many good reasons, um, because there was this environmental concern, but also just the concern that there's all these weapons being brought in and these shelters and this fear that's being ramped up. And it seems to me that there's something about that your church and and the and what Michael Fellini is doing is they really are harvesting fear. That's the whole concept is about taking people yes. that are either fearful and and channeling their energy into something, or just making people scared and then bringing them into the flock, so to speak. Well, uh, yeah. It's about trauma. Mm-hmm. It's about what ultimately uh, what brainwashes you mm-hmm. because it, you are dissociated by it, and it makes you vulnerable to. Um, basically being indoctrinated with whatever someone wants to put in your head. They do why, it but why do people with, like, do voluntarily go into this? Why do people land up, and you know, none of us are psychologists, but why do people there's actually no, there's nothing, not go for it? voluntary at all. Yeah. It's not voluntary. I mean, I, people you don't think it's voluntary? No. What's I, happening I that's making people, it not volunte- voluntary? It, well, people are being fooled, right? Nobody mm-hmm. brainwashes themselves. That right. has never happened in the history of mankind. No one has said, hey, I'm going to go get brainwashed now. Mm-hmm. They get fooled into putting, put, getting put in situations where they end up being traumatized, end up being coerced, and end up in a cult. And suddenly, and now their reality is completely different. Mm-hmm. And just, I just want to say one thing. I am, I am absolutely astonished and inspired by Sean and his story and the fact that he got out of that thing mm-hmm. with his mind and his morals intact is absolutely astounding. I mean, yeah, it really is. Thank you, Jim. That. And, and I, I also want to say, say the last thing and then I'll shut up is it should be an inspiration to everybody who's listening and everyone in the world, it is possible to get out of these things. Mm-hmm. It really is. No one should give up on their loved ones or 30% of the population, but we have to get educated about what it is, why it's happening, and what the best way is to communicate with victims. Now, it's never been done on the scale that we're seeing it now. I mean, it certainly seems to be... Certainly has not. Um, you know, it's, this and- is a very different beast than, than it was in 1990, but even the 1990, getting out of it and the amount of attention you were getting and the uh, judgment on you must have been really impossible to deal with. 
Yeah, well, you know, I, it wasn't really because by the time I left, I left maybe uh, end of 93. Mm-hmm. So I had a little bit of time. It wasn't there. There wasn't so much national attention at that point. And uh, fortunately, I I had already known some people in L.A. and was able to get a job and, and all that. But I wanted to say something more about why people get into these cults. And mm-hmm. I think that because I started doing a documentary on this story and i i haven't succeeded in finishing that documentary because it's just such a sprawling story and i think i'm too close to it but one of the things i found out is i went and interviewed a guy named lauren dawson who's a professor of the sociology of religion uh, at the university of waterloo Mm -hmm. and I, i interviewed him 10 years ago and i was trying to get an answer from him you know why do people get into these cults and he talks about the need for meaning. And I think mm-hmm. that the meaning is a sort of gateway drug that gets people into cults because everybody's looking for finding some sort of meaning in their lives. And, and, and it's the same thing that draws people into religion. But people would rather be dead than lack meaning in their lives. And some of these organizations tend to give them meaning, especially in the sense of persecution, right? Because we felt persecuted in, in the cult. And I think a lot of Christians feel persecuted in America because they're losing the sort of cultural supremacy that they had for, you know, most of of American history. And so that persecution complex really feeds into recruitment and getting people in there. And then, of course, the end times, right? The the idea of declaring the end times or the apocalypse has, has a lot to do with saying society has failed. Um, Secular society has failed. Our, Our political system has failed to, you know, to promote God in the way that we want. And so we have to come apart, be a separate and chosen people. That was one of the actually decrees that we said, uh, is separating out. And so I think that is what gets people into cults. And a psychologist who I I knew well, who was a cult expert, who sadly died uh, this year, her name is Kathleen Mann. And what she said to me about people who get into cults is that almost everyone thinks they're too smart. Mm. to get into a cult. And it's the people who, like, if you're street smart, but you might not be book smart, you're probably not going to be as attracted to these cults. But people who, you know, college educated, uh, they think they're, they're too smart to fall for it. They're often the ones mm. who get into them. I, I have to say there were a lot of educated people in Church Universal and Triumphant, a lot. Thank you for spending your time with Narrative. And stay tuned. There's much more to this conversation in our next episode. Narrative is made possible by viewers and listeners like you who join at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Join today and support truly independent journalism. Patreon.com forward slash narrative.